Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Easy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me for the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. For the 300th episode of the Party Shots Podcast. And I appreciate uh, everyone who's listened to this podcast, subscribe, download. It's uh, been a lot of fun doing this. So I like to you know, continue to do this. And I know there's some other, I've had some podcasts under the old uh, uh, title of the Party Shots Daily Gazette Podcast. Uh, then there were several episodes before the whole changeover. But under this uh, title, Number 300, so we're going to get going here and uh, talk about a lot of stuff. We have some guests this week, uh, as opposed to my previous podcast, where it was more uh, lots of opinion and all that fun stuff. But uh, We have uh, Josh Skiba, Union Women's Hockey Head Coach. Uh, he was an assistant coach for Team USA Women that uh, won the gold medal in the World uh, Women's Hockey Championship in uh, Brampton, Ontario on Sunday. They beat Canada 6-3. He's going to talk about that experience. And, uh, of course, next year the uh, tournament will be in Utica. So that'll be a lot of fun. They may have some hockey fans here in the area. We'll um, drive uh, just down uh, the uh, New York State Thruway to uh, check out some uh, great international women's hockey. I might just do that myself. So we'll talk to Josh about his experience uh, bringing home the gold medal for uh, Team USA. And then later on, Gazette sports writer uh, Will Springstead, who covers college across for us, he's back uh, after a week off. He's going to, you know, discuss the uh, latest happenings in uh, the college lacrosse scene here in the capital region. But let me begin today with some commentary. Uh, if you had a chance, if you haven't had a chance to uh, re- read my story along with Chad Arnold, who helped out with uh, the coverage of this, uh, who appeared in Monday's Daily Gazette and online at dailygazette.com, it's been a year since uh, the uh, State Assemblyman uh, Angelo Santa Barbara secured $10 million in, f- in funding to help uh, build a new uh, hockey facility for the Union College men's and women's hockey teams. It's supposed to be a multi-purpose facility. There'll be uh, other events going on. That's one of the, uh, so it's going to be a chance for, to help uh, not only the Union, but uh, Schenectady overall. Uh, it was. A, I remember going there with uh, Shenandoah Briere uh, on a Monday afternoon last last year, and uh, there was a lot of excitement about it. And uh, you know, President Union College President David Harris there, other dignitaries were there. Um, so it looked like, you know, great. The funding's there. It was looking about a 40 to $50 million project. The union had to, you know, secure some other funding to maybe get this underway. Well, we're a year removed from that. And as I had written uh, in the story, uh, the only activities taking place at the site of the proposed facility are people walking or parking their cars to go to Rivers Casino or the shops at the harbor. It's, I'm a little... Dumbfounded. I mean, I, I, we, I, we reached out, Chad and I reached out to several people. Uh, I reached out to the union uh, president, David Harris, reached out to union athletic director, Jim McLaughlin. And uh, I know Chad reached out to um, Ray, Ray Gillen at the uh, Metroplex. Uh, and uh, you know, Gillen wrote back an email to Chad that last year's budget included funding for the Mohawk Harbor Arena project. No public funding has been expended. But all parties involved in the project continue to have constructive discussions. Considerable time and effort has been spent conducting the necessary due diligence, and that work continues in the shared hope of reaching an agreement. Uh, I, I got a statement from Phil Waja, Waja, who is the uh, spokesman for Union College, and he said there are no new updates, and we continue to engage in collaborative discussions on the project. 
And that was a sentiment uh, echoed by uh, Union Athletic Director Jim McLaughlin. Uh, he's told me that uh, we continue to engage in positive conversation with all the parties. And he said, I'll share more once we have more definitive details. And he did not want to get into the heart of the details. And he said, respectively, uh, request that's what we go with at this point. Uh, I spoke with uh, Angelo Santa Barbara, uh, Representative Angelo Santa Barbara on Saturday. And he's uh, also involved. And he said he, he talked to all the parties. Uh, this project was fully supported by a number of different party partners, uh, Schenectady County, the City of Schenectady, Metroplex Union College, and the Gillespie Group. Uh, so those conversations about getting the project, this project started have definitely advanced. And uh, Santa Barbara added he thinks that they're getting ready at some point, I would imagine, this year to actually start construction on this thing. It's yeah, ten million. Obviously, Santa Barbara securing ten million is great, but it's a matter of raising the money, the other money for this project. And I don't want to be a pessimist, but I'm starting. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of us are starting to wonder: Is this ever going to happen? And it's got to happen. There's no doubt it's got to happen. I think you know, the, the the more they keep talking, the more the costs are going to go up. Uh, as we estimated, it was supposed to be a forty to fifty million dollar project to get uh, this new arena built, but uh, with you know, talking with inflation and stuff like that, I think the cost is going to even be higher at this point. They keep, uh, you know, you know, talking and talking and talking before they get this finally going. It's got to happen soon. I mean, I'm at the point now, restoration's got to be replaced. There's no doubt about that. It's outlived its usefulness. It was built in 1975, and it's, it's a, it's, and the door to the height of the Union's uh, hockey, men's hockey's run there, winning a national championship in their, their, yeah, the early 2010s, uh, you know, last decade. They, they, nobody went to play that place. Uh, it was noisy. The noise bounced off the ceiling. It was a perfect uh, um, acoustics there, and it just intimidated teams that uh, came into the building. Uh, I, know, I know talking to some of the players about that, they, they didn't want to leave Messerink at that time, and I don't blame them, but. You can't keep there's there there are lots of problems in that rink. I mean, you, uh, watching the games and that's for example, the Nets keep coming off the uh, moorings too easily. That can't happen. I imagine locker room space is really getting cramped now, and uh, yeah, it's just it's there are issues in that rink, and it's got to get done. Something's got to get done because it comes to a point if they don't have a new facility and massive rink it can't can't be used anymore. What's going to happen with the Union Hockey Program? Where are they going to play? Are they going to play at the Schenectady County Recreation Facility, which holds about maybe 500 people? Uh, will they go to, to uh, MVP Arena to play their games? Would they, uh, would they share a rink with an RPI? I doubt that. Um, but something's got to be done. I mean, they can't keep sitting on this and sitting on keep talking and talking. Something has to happen sooner or later. And I, I'm at the point now, I'm trying to be optimistic about this because I, I would love to see a new facility uh, built there in the next couple of years, and it's. I, I think if you're looking maybe at this point, uh, possibly if they get construction going sometime this year, you're looking maybe at the uh, sometime in 2025 for the uh, facility to open. And I don't know if they open right, right at the start of the season, but maybe sometime during the season, so that'd be great. And they they got they, they can't afford to you know fall behind this because you look at now Quinnipiac winning a national title, then they're going to get. Uh, a lot more applications there, the people there, and they have a great facility, and that's going to attract more uh, student athletes there. 
Uh, you know, other play uh, Clarkson is updated. Geo uh, Arena, St. Lawrence is updated. Appleton, Colgate has a new has a new facility in the last few years, and the RPI remodeled Houston Fieldhouse several years ago. Um, I mean, you're at the point now. You don't want to fall behind. I mean, there, there are other you know, UConn's got a new facility. They're you know dedicating more funds to hockey. You know, it's a basketball school. The you know, obviously the men's winning men's basketball winning a national championship uh, in April. Uh, the women's uh, program has been dominant for years. Um, and Sacred Heart, I mean, they're they're committed to hockey now too. They have a new facility on campus, so you don't want you don't want to fall behind. And if you fall behind, you're gonna, not going to get the players, and it's going to be a program struggling to struggle. You don't want to go back to the early days of the the, the union's division one life where they struggled. Uh, that of course that was a different situation because they weren't giving out scholarships, which they are slowly starting to do that now. And, uh, but facility is important. I mean, if you, if if prospective student athlete, you know, visits union and then visits like Quinnipiac or Clarkson and sees and St. Lawrence and sees a more modern facility, what union has, that's going to turn, turn them off. So they can't afford to let this uh, new ring fall by the wayside because they do. I think it's going to have a lot of ramifications and, and not good ones for the program. Uh, my, my feeling is if there's nothing announced by the start of this uh, upcoming season in September, October, I'm going to be very pessimistic about it. Uh, and I think that's not going to happen. And somebody, somebody's going to have to explain why this didn't happen. And um, I, uh, it's got, uh, bottom line, make it happen. Make it happen. You know, it benefits the hockey team, benefits the school, benefits Schenectady. It's a win-win-win for everybody. Don't blow this now. And just to add, also add that you know, ask Santa Barbara about the ten million. That's there's a deadline on that. No, he said no. There's there's no deadline. The funding is there once they need it, and they can use it. But uh, dear Union, dear Schenectady, dear everybody else, get it done. Get it done soon. Get an agreement. Let's let's get this thing constructed and uh, uh, have a nice facility for the hockey teams to play in and, and, and other events as well. We'll be back uh, with more of the Parting Shots podcast. Josh uh, Josh Skiba will join me to talk about uh, the uh, Women's World Hockey Championships, the U.S. winning the gold. He's the union head coach of the women's team. We'll talk about that uh, just a minute here on the Parting Shots podcast. Hey, auto racing fans. The Daily Gazette's auto racing contest is back. Here's how to play. Pick the top five finishers in the weekly NASCAR race and get a chance to win a $50 ShopRite gift card. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. The Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is run by the Advertising Department and not affiliated with the Sports Department. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google app stores. Hi, this is Princeton's men's hockey head coach, Ron Fogarty. You're listening to Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. And the uh, USA Hockey women's team won the world championship on uh, Sunday night in Brampton, Ontario, beating Canada 6-3 Hillary Knight with the hat trick. And a member of the coaching staff was union head coach Josh Skiba. And uh, he joins us now on the podcast. Josh, welcome back to the podcast. And what's it like being a gold medal winner? 
Yeah. Uh, first, thanks for having me. Um, it's it's pretty pretty surreal to be honest with you. I think the the whole experience was was fantastic, and I think you know just the, the players that we had, the group that we had for this World Championships was was something special. So I think they earned uh, that gold medal, and it was just awesome to see. And to do it in Canada, I mean, obviously the rivalry with with Canada, it, you know, you guys play five maybe five six times a year before uh, the tournament here. What is that rivalry like? And to win it up in Canada, what I mean that I, that had to really be extra special. Yeah, I think I think anytime the U.S. plays Canada in the in the sport of hockey, I think that the rivalry is going to be extremely heated. But I think when you look at the the Canadian women's team and the U.S. women's team and in women's hockey, I think it's one of the most fierce, intense rivalries in uh, just about any sport. And uh, I think there's a long history of, of that. And uh, you know, I think when when you become part of that environment as as a player, or as a coach, or staff member, um, it's a pretty special experience. And you feel how addicting uh, that environment can be, right? So um, it's extremely intense. I think it's a lot of fun uh, being part of it. I think it's a lot of work on both teams to to try and find a way to to beat the other team. Um, you know, both teams are, are really, really good. So um, to beat a team like Canada, a really quality hockey team that has some really, really established players in Canada uh, w- was something incredible. And I give a lot of credit to to the players. I think they uh, completed a tall task and they, they did a great job. Yeah, it was a very, very key moment in that third period. We guys had a two-player uh, advantage and Hillary Knight scores a pair of power play goals, completes the hat trick. I mean, at that point, I mean, obviously he's late in the game and you know, the tension's mounting. For Hillary Knight to come through like that in, in a moment like that, what does that mean? Well, I, I think that's why she's our captain, you know, and I think she, she takes over captain duties from, from someone like Kendall Coyne, who's uh, just been an absolute uh, leader from, from day one with her uh, time with the program, and, and she takes uh, that C over for for the World Championship. And, um, you know, in those games, in the, in the games against Canada, the, the championship medal games, you need your best players to, to show up. And, you know, going into the third period, we're down by a goal. Um, she, she makes some big plays and she takes over the game. So um, it just speaks to who she is. It speaks to the character of the player that she is. It speaks to the type of confidence that she has and the type of leader she can be. So um, for her to do something special like that in that moment, um, it's just a testament to, to who she is as a player. What, what was it, that bench like in that third period? As you said, you're, you're down going into the third period. I mean, what was that like? What was the tension? Or was there tension? I mean, what, was it, what was it like? Um, to be honest, not not really at all. I think we, we knew exactly what we needed to do, and we felt like we were going to get a break at some point. We had had um, – I know Canada was out shooting us uh, a little bit, but we felt like we had some more quality opportunities. And uh, we knew the moment that we had a power play, we were going to be able to take advantage of it. Our power play had been something that was strong in the entire tournament. And uh, I think the group just had a lot of confidence. You could feel, you know, this year – um, just, just the confidence and belief in the group. I think we had people in the right places, and you could feel that the group, no matter what the score was, um, they felt like they could come back. They felt like they could take the lead. Uh, we felt like we were right in that that hockey game, and certainly we didn't expect it to be six three at the end of it all. Um, but we felt like if we we kept it close and we kept doing what we were doing, we we were going to be fine. Yeah. Um, just yeah, like I said, you guys play. Canada five six times with that rivalry series. 
mean, how important is that series? You know, knowing you know, you have that video of those games, and obviously video from the from the women world, women's world. So, how important is it to have that video? Knowing, I mean, you guys have to know me each other's idiosyncrasies, the weaknesses, and strong strong points. So, so, what do you try to find uh, in those videos that that can help you? Yeah, well, I think I think they're again they're they're a really good team. I mean, their their roster is very established. Their their top line with Jenner and Poulin and you know players like that. That um, to be honest, we really have not had an answer for um, at a lot of times. And I think through the series and even through the World Championships, they were some of their best players. So um, you know, for us, I, I think we, the rivalry series was really important because we tried a whole uh, bunch of different players, right? A lot of post-grad players. Uh, we had some college players in there, and there was a lot of players that were trying to figure out, you know, are they going to be part of this player pool moving forward? Can they make the world championship team? Um, you know, where, where do they fit in USA hockey? And I think that was kind of what we used it for. So, um, you know, our roster might have been different just about every rivalry series, and then certainly it was different to get to the world championships. But all the information that we gathered and the results and the games, I mean, everything that we had was was very important. I mean, just understanding how their team plays, um, understanding what certain characteristics of each player uh, on their team brings, um, and then kind of what the identity of our team is going to be, right, and what we want it to be or what we need it to be uh, to compete with a team like Canada. And uh, I think it's still evolving, right? It's mm-hmm. it's at this level, it's it's the smallest of margins uh, for error. And I think when you play a really good team like that, you've got to continue to to evolve and get better and better because they they are going to do the same. So um, yeah, it's it's a chess match, and we've got to continue to to get better and find ways to to be better the next time we play them. Yeah, Ken, I think had survived had a survive scare in the quarterfinals and winning an overtime against Sweden. So I mean, that, that how how weird would that have been that Canada not made the final? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, you know, the other countries, I think it says a lot to the other countries. I mean, they're, you know, you, you can't take a night off anymore. I mean, the, those other countries are getting better. You have the Czech, the Czechs winning uh, bronze for, for the second year in a row. You know, the Finns are continuing to get better. Um, the Swiss team is, is really good. They've got some really good players on their top line. And uh, just about every team that you play, I feel like, has a fantastic goaltender. So, um, yeah, you can't take a night off. You can't t- t- take any teams lightly. I think we, we uh, saw a little bit of that maybe in the, the quarterfinal game and we played Germany and uh, we ran into a really good goaltender and I think um, you know just it, it's a testament to those those countries getting better and better so um, yeah it would, be, it would have been crazy but I think uh, you know good teams like that find ways to, to win in those moments yeah I mean uh, I know it seems like every year in the, in the world championship it comes down to US and Canada but do you I mean is it, is that good or you know, are we going to see a day where maybe one of these school one of these teams uh, or both of them don't make it to make the gold medal game. I mean, how is, is would that be good for one of these days that another country wins this tournament? Well, be, I mean, being part of USA hockey, certainly we don't want it to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think. Um, you know, I, I think it's great. I think people want to to see the U.S. Canada rivalry. I think it's. Um, I think we we want to feel that rivalry. We want to be a part of it. I think uh, Hockey Canada wants every bit of that. And, um, I think the other countries are, are getting better. Like I said, I think they are starting to challenge, and I think they're they're making a push to uh, compete with with you know the U.S. and, and Canada. So. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's it's great for the game. Again, like when you see a team like the Czechs earning bronze two years in a row when they haven't medaled before, and I think you see other programs starting to get better and kind of going in waves. Um, you know, I think both of our programs, Hockey Canada and USA Hockey, are just very fortunate. We have some of the best players in the world, and um, you know, we continue to, to challenge for that 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 top spot. So, um, I do think it's getting better, though, for sure. What's it like working with head coach John Werbleski? Uh, it's, it's, you learn so much. I I feel like going into this experience, I I, I wanted to do it because it it just helps me. Right. I think it it helps me become better. It helps me, uh, learn and, and be a better coach for our program. And I think just learning, uh, what, what Robo, uh, is trying to teach our players and how he teaches it and you know the little nuances of the game and things that he sees and the language that he uses uh how he practices i mean it's just it's just an opportunity to be a sponge and um you know for him to give me this opportunity again and, and usa hockey give it to me it's just it, very grateful for it so just continue to soak up knowledge everywhere i can go yeah reading a john warro story at uh from the associated press the, uh, the other day was he was talking about uh, Robleski's status is up in the air for uh, next year's tournament. Uh, or, so, what do you know? I mean, does, does, obviously, <laughs> NHL teams are probably interested in them. So, you know, what's uh, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I would hope that winning gold here in Brampton on Canadian soil would solidify some sort of position with USA Hockey <laughs> um, moving forward, you know, for at least uh, the next calendar year. But I, I don't know. I don't know what's on his uh, schedule. I know he loves what he does. Um, I, I know he loves being around the team. I think the team really uh, enjoys him and, and will play uh, well for, for him, I think. So, um you know, again, I, I would love to continue to be part of the staff. I'm hopeful that he is as well. Um, I'm sure USA Hockey would want him to continue to be part of it. I mean, if they offered you the job as head coach, would, would was that something you had to consider talk to John about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to speak yeah. to that. Again, I'm just going to be grateful for, for anything that, that I can have to be part of this program. Yeah, because I, I was reading, I mean, you, you get – Five new players on the, t- in the on this team this year. Be able to integrate that with some of the some of the veteran players. I mean, that's just a testimony to his uh, able ability to coach these teams, these players. I think so. I, I think the way he identifies talent, the way he can break uh, the game down, and, and the way he can find ways to to put people in positions where they can have success, uh, I think is awesome. You know, I think even even some of the older players that you know maybe coming out of the last Olympics. Uh, there was speculation about, you know, USA Hockey needs to do this or USA Hockey needs to do that with certain players. Uh, those players have been some of our, our best players. And I think uh, the way he puts people, again, in positions to have success, the way he built a style for our team to play that not only can score goals, but, but can also defend well when we need to. Um, you know, and then he shows a lot of belief in players that are brand new or the younger players. And I think they're, they're playing with a ton of confidence. And I think you felt that in that gold medal game. So uh, I think he does a great job. It's, it's a, it's a special privilege to be able to work for him. What does it mean? What did it mean to you to win the gold? And what does it mean Maybe for Union, because obviously, you know, people know that you're the head coach of the Union women's hockey team. I mean, there's got to be some benefits to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would hope that, you know, people that want to be part of, of national teams uh, will take a serious look at our program. 
you know, I think that's something that I want to continue to do. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to, to do a little bit of it as a player playing in, in the NTDP and then obviously to work with USA Hockey here as a coach. I mean, it's come kind of full circle there. So, you know, we want more players that, that have that kind of aspiration as well, you know, and they have that kind of driving, uh, driving factor in, in their lives. They're always going to be motivated to do more and get better. And I think that's going to help our program. So, And for you, uh, and for you personally, what does it mean? Um, I, I mean, just personally, I think in terms of, in terms of what it, the experience meant. Yeah. And, w- and winning a gold medal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super special. I mean, just it, my family was there. I mean, to be able to share that with, with my two daughters that, that understand kind of what that means for them to be watching the game. Um, I mean, it's just to, to, to know the, the amount of work that we put in. Uh, to, to get to this point coming from Denmark like last year and going through the rivalry series I mean just it's it's amazing I mean it's it's surreal like when you go through the experience and you finally you know get that gold medal um, and, and you know it's cliche but you hear that that national anthem at the end of the game and um it's just it's such a cool experience and i the, the i tell everybody this but i feel like it's it's so addicting like when you become part of that environment and you're you're in canada and there's five thousand fans that are cheering against you and uh you just you want more of it you want to be part of it still and uh to me that's it's it just what i've learned to be able to bring it back to our players and what we can now teach them to hopefully make them better and continue to push our program forward it's just it's everything was just the best of course, next year it was announced on Sunday that the uh, Worlds will be coming to Utica next year. Yeah. So basically, it's a, it's a drive. If you if you're on the staff, you can just you know, commute back and forth. But I mean, how big is that to have the World Championships this close to Schenectady? Yeah, I think. I mean, in, and if you look at Utica, I know like they're they're Division Three men's team. They sell out their games, right? And I think I, I've been to a bunch of Comets games before, and the the attendance there, and just the 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 actual facility there is going to be fantastic. So, um, you know, I think with the geography close to campus, I mean, you know, if I'm lucky enough to, to be part of that staff, I look at it as an advantage for, you know, maybe our players to make a trip and take a, take in some of the games, whether it be U.S., Canada, or any of the games against international competition, just what they can watch live and what they can learn and, and to watch what some of the best players in the world are doing and, and how they can try and emulate that in their games. So, um, I mean, there could be a better situation. You know, we're coming back home with a gold medal, and uh, it, it is something special to be back on home soil. Yeah, I mean, I've been to Utica a couple of times to cover some hockey. Once when I was covering the Hershey Bears uh, for the Art Daily Record, we had the, the Bears had a quarterfinal playoff series up in Utica in 1989, and there was no support back then. I mean, the streets were rolled up at this, uh, 11 a.m. in the morning, and there was nothing going on in Utica. And then I was there in Utica in 93 for the high school state championship, so we got snowed in with the major blizzard uh, that weekend. But it's amazing to me that Utica has really become a hotbed for hockey, and I, I think it's great. And I mean, this is—I mean, I'm, I may even decide to swing by and uh, catch some games. Not often you get a chance to watch some international hockey in this area, so I think it's, this is a great thing for for uh, hockey and women's hockey too. Yeah, no, it'll be. I mean, whoever comes, I mean, if you if you're gonna take in women's hockey, there's there's nothing better. I mean, just any any country, any game that you watch, you're gonna see really good, uh, really good hockey at this level. It's pretty incredible. Well, Josh, appreciate a few minutes. Uh, congratulations, and I guess yeah, well, here we are in, in mid-April, and uh, it's time to start getting for the women's uh, season, Union women's season. I mean, how are things going right there with recruiting and all that? Good. We're we're good.
excited for next year. Um, so we're just, yeah, still uh, hit the recruiting trail. We got our coaches convention coming up here next week in Florida. Um, so school's kind of winding down. But, yeah, recruiting continues to, to go here probably from June uh, on and um, just trying to get better. Yeah, our, our class is going to be a much better. We're starting to hit that scholarship era for next year. So um, continue to bring in talent every year now. And, you know, now we're just working on the future classes. Yeah. Well, Josh, I appreciate a few minutes, and obviously have a good rest of the off season, and we'll obviously talk when we get around September and start of a new season. Awesome, thanks, Ken. All right, that's Josh Skiba. Coming up, Will Springstead, my Gazette colleague, will talk college lacrosse. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast. If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle, and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity. From the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google app stores. Hi, this is Mark Kestisher, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio and college football on ESPN Radio. I grew up in Gilderland. I'm a proud member of the 518, and I go back over 30 years with Ken Schott. And when I'm not listening to his Schottsky Radio... I'm listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Schott. Here's Ken. Welcome back to the podcast. And after a week away and enjoying some time off, with Will Springstead, our Gazette colleague who covers college across, is back to join us on uh, the podcast to talk some college across in the capital region. How was your time off, Will? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Came back a little under the weather, but uh, happy to get back uh, at the exciting time of the college lacrosse season. Yes, uh, let's, let's start that. Let's start with the uh, Siena women who, uh, who wrapped up their season uh, Wednesday night at uh, Niagara, a 13-12 loss, and that guaranteed them the number two seed in the MAC tournament. So they'll get a first-round bye, and they'll have to go to Fairfield for the tournament, Fairfield winning the uh, regular season title. Uh, not surprised by that? Not terribly surprised by that. As we mentioned in our last podcast, Fairfield's just had Sienna's number uh, as far as their game, the number one seed. I find it interesting that this loss that they had on Wednesday to Niagara, Niagara has now beaten both Fairfield and Sienna. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe maybe the Purple Eagles are the, are the ones that everyone should be keeping an eye on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think their chances are, uh, Sienna's? I think their their chances are pretty good. Ironically, that had me looking at the max standings, and it is not guaranteed, but most likely that Niagara will end up as the three seed. So we could be seeing another Niagara-Siena uh, matchup again. And one thing I took from the Siena game, Sabrina Krasner had just five saves. Um, in a 13 to 12 loss, that's that's unlike her. Um, she's been around 50 percent all season long. So, I think if she and the defense have a more typical game for them, they're capable of beating Niagara in say a semifinal. Um, I 
would imagine whoever it is is going to see Fairfield in the final. And that was a pretty convincing Fairfield win. Um, so Siena is going to have to find some inner strength that, uh, to beat Fairfield. That semifinal game is not until May 5th. So they, they, I mean, there's plenty of time to correct what they uh, have to get fixed. But I mean, do you worry? Do, I mean, if you're the coach of Siena, do you worry about this you know, lengthy break? I, I think, you know, Coach Rafus will say no. It, it's just time to develop, but but it's like sixteen days. That there, there's there's a healthy break, and then there's we're dawdling. And uh, and I would I think there's got to be at least some part of her that that fears it's a little too much time. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you never know until the game starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a first round matchup uh, before that uh, at campus sites, I believe. So it's uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how this turns out, and if the break. Uh, you know, Especially losing the final regular season game, uh, a game that they probably should have won. They 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 came back, but you know fell fell short, losing thirteen to twelve. But maybe this is uh, fuel to the fire to, to uh, get better and, and try to win that MAC title. Exactly, and uh, and and I wonder also if uh, their experience last year of hosting uh, and not being able to beat Fairfield will come back. Say you know. Fairfield ruined it on our field. Let's ruin it on yeah, theirs. Yeah. That that could that could serve as a little impetus too. Well, let's uh, stay on the uh, Siena campus there in Loudonville and move over to the men's side, where uh, the Saints wrap up their regular season Saturday, hosting Mount St. Mary's. And uh, the Saints, I mean, they're in a battle for uh, one of those uh, tournament spots. They're in a four-way tie with Quinnipiac, LIU, and Sacred Heart at 4-4. Four and four. So this game, uh, Mount St. Mary's obviously leading the MAC at 7-1. This is going to be a tough task for, for the Saints. It is going to be. And, uh, you know, I think throughout this year we've kind of looked at these NEC teams like, well, you know, how, how will they do in the MAC? Boy, Mount St. Mary's has answered that call. Uh, they're, they're on top of this division, and um, they've always been a strong program and not been afraid to go outside and schedule good competition. Um, and they're bringing that gusto to the MAC. Uh, it, it will be tough. I, ironically, I spoke to a Siena player for my column this week, and I asked him about that. And he said, well, you know, we had our backs to the wall last week against Manhattan. That was a must-win game, and look at how we did. So we think we can do that here. We'll see. Yeah, of course, we have Mount St. Mary's coming from Maryland. Maryland's a hotbed for lacrosse. I mean, it's probably no surprise that they've been uh, a strong team in their first year in the MAC. I mean, what does Sienna have to do to you know, beat, beat Mount St. Mary's on, on their home field? I think, um, you know, obviously it's got to start uh, defensively first. Uh, you've got a great goalie in Christian Chorus, and, and he's got to have a good game. You cannot let Mount St. Mary's get comfortable and start rolling on offense. Um, so I think they're going to have to focus primarily on holding Mount St. Mary's down. Siena has always had scores. They've got Pratt Reynolds. They've got uh, a number of guys that I'm sorry, I'm blanking on now, but um, they've had they've had some decent scores, and um, so they can score. Um, I think it's, but you don't want to get into shooting matches. I think you just need to, to keep it in a, in a moderate range and let your guys take care of the business on the home field. Yeah, obviously Ryan McCarthy leading the way for the Saints right. in points with 36. He has 16 goals. Christian Watts tops in goals with 27, followed by Pratt. Sexual, and so. he's, 
So they, they they have to, as you said, they do have the scoring, but is it going to be enough? I mean, do, do, do does Siena necessarily need to win this game to make the MAC tournament? Maybe not. As you mentioned, it's it's a log jam, and it's. Uh, you know, this team beat that, but that team lost to that. And uh, so it, it might sneak in at one of those uh, uh, in one of those scenarios. But I think it, it is treating it as if it needs to. And certainly, I think that's a mental thing, too. You know, you've as, as we mentioned on the last podcast, they've beat some teams they should have lost to, lost to teams they should have beat. I, you know, it's it's a hodgepodge, and you don't know what's going to happen. So you don't want to go into a tournament on a loss with a lot of questions lingering. Yeah, looking at the schedule for Saturday, uh, LIU is at Quinnipiac. Uh, Maris is hosting VMI. Still kind of weird to have VMI in the match. <laughs> 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 I mean, LIU is also a, a member which, of just in lacrosse. Uh, Canisius and Sacred Heart play, and then uh, Manhattan and Wagner playing a six o'clock game Saturday, so that's that's got to be thrilling for those two teams to six o'clock on a Saturday night. So uh, you mentioned scoring. Let's go over to a team that's been lacking scoring. Uh, uh, the Union men's team uh, they pulled off a nine eight to come from behind win over St. John Fisher, a non league game in their final home game of the regular season at Franklin Field. Up uh, at Franklin Field, Jesus, Frank Bailey Field. I got uh, ten relays on my mind. Uh, uh, Peter, yeah, Peter Kip uh, scored with four fifty one left to tie it and then got the game winner with 29 seconds remaining to lift the Dutchman to a victory but still the I mean they lost the RPI last Saturday with the offense uh, lacking again and you know, they wind up uh, you know wind up playing the final two games of the regular season at Ithaca on Saturday and at Vassar next Saturday and hey, what are their chances of, you know I mean I just get it forget about hosting a Liberty League tournament game but just getting into the tournament well, they are aided by one fact this year in that the Liberty League expanded uh, its playoff this year, which I, I honestly had been looking at the whole season and just glossing over on their schedule that there's a first round this year. Um, it's not just the top four. This year it will be the top six. I asked uh, Union SID Steve Sheridan about this, and he said the Liberty League has fiddled with things over the years as the number of teams um, participating was in, and they had voted this year to include it so that the top 60%, or in this case six, uh, teams would get in. So I think they will get in. That's that's fine. Um, but, again, going back to what we said about Siena, you don't want questions lingering in your head as you go into a tournament. And, unfortunately, I think Union's still there unless it can beat Ithaca. Um, Ithaca is always a strong team, always knows how to pump in goals. Um, so, you know, that would that would serve as a, as a feather in their cap going into the Liberty League tournament. Yes, yeah, in Union's first five games this season, they hit double digits in goals, and then since then, just three times. Uh, the last time was against Skidmore. Uh, I take that back. We just two times. Uh, sorry, I'm right. Three times. I'm just looking at the wrong thing. But uh, the last time, Skidmore the 12-7 victory on April 12th. But uh, the injuries. I mean, we mentioned before the injuries. The key injuries have really affected this team. I mean, are they going to get those key guys back? I, we haven't heard officially, but the 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 
the thought is that they are not going to get them back. And uh, the more we see names like uh, Peter Kipp and Zach Davis, um, veteran guys stepping up in their scoring who normally, if uh, Michael Shaw and Peter Burns were there, wouldn't figure quite so prominently. I think that's our answer. Um, they're going to look to who they know that can score. Um, yesterday, Clayton R. Curry pumped in four goals. That's a good performance for him and certainly well-timed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think by now it's uh, it's a trend. And, um, again, you know, what we've seen is when Union wins, I know Dan Donahue had a big game in goal yesterday too. This is going to have to be defense first, and that's with a capital F on first. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the women's team pretty doing pretty well, 4-2 in the conference. They wrap up their home schedule this weekend with a pair of games, uh, the hosting RIT at, on Friday at 4 o'clock, and then William Smith on Saturday at 2. Uh, what are their chances uh, as they head to? I mean, they'll, they'll have two more games after this on the road, but I mean, they, they've been playing pretty well, won two in a row for the last five, and uh, seems like things are going well for the uh, Dutch women. I think they are going well for the Dutch women. I think uh, RIT should be a win. Um, William Smith is uh, second and third in the country on the two polls. So, you know, you wouldn't expect that they'll be able to beat the Herons. But, um, again, that's a litmus test. Okay, this is where we want to be. This is the giant in our conference. Let's see how we do. We've got them on our home field. Um, And, uh, you know, they've... They've proven they can step up before. Um, so I would think they're probably looking, if I had to guess, at a, at a you know four seed for the Liberty League playoffs, which would then, again, have them turning right around and facing William Smith again. But now's the chance. See what you got. Yeah, I mean, they're 4-2 in the league right now in fourth place, have games in hand on William Smith, which is 7-0. and St. Lawrence is 6-2. and uh, Ithaca six and three, and you know, right behind them, the RPI at Rochester at four and three. And once again, it's one of those unusual schedules where you're, you're playing back to back. I mean, they did that up in the North Country, uh, losing to St. Lawrence but beating Clarkson. So, how important is it to, you know, just to be able to do this and play back to back and try to get two wins? It, it, you know, it is important. You can't uh, look past RIT, obviously. Um, but you also, you know, you're trying to save something in reserve for William Smith. Um, and as we mentioned before, it's it's an unusual quirk of the schedule that I can't imagine anyone likes. But you try and cram, and, and especially with the Liberty League women who do have more teams in that league than the men, every now and again it's going to happen. So you've got to try to... Bring your best on that weekend. Yeah. Uh, let's move over to uh, the U Albany women's team uh, and four and zero in the conference. They can wrap up the conference title and hosting the American East tournament. Uh, they play uh, New, Hampshire, New Hampshire on Saturday in their you know, final home game of the regular season. If they win that game, uh, they basically clinch uh, the, the regular season title because they have the tiebreaker on Binghamton. Exactly. That that win over Binghamton was huge in a lot of ways, and, and that was the main one, yes. And uh, the, the U Albany women are finally hitting the stride that I think we all thought they could. 
Yeah, what, what, what has been the key? I mean, obviously, they opened the conference play by beating Vermont, the team that's been a thorn in their side for many years, uh, other than Stony Brook. Of course, Stony Brook no longer in America East. But uh, I mean, how important was it to get off the, to get that win uh, to open conference play back on March 25th? That was huge. And I think that um, it was aided by their tough non-league schedule. Uh, I remember at the beginning of the season, I, I made a joke to Coach Thompson about, you know, oh, you've scheduled a bunch of lightweights. You know, look at all the nationally ranked teams they've faced in the, uh, in the I don't want to say the preseason, but in the non, non-league games. And she chuckled, but she said every year, said I will do it every year. And this is why. Um, because then along comes the thorn in your side, Vermont, and you took care of business. Mm-hmm. Hey, at least uh, you already beat Fairfield this year. Yeah, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe the two coaches will talk. You know, yeah. she'll, she'll tell she'll tell Coach Rafus a few tricks. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's good to for them. And uh, on the men's side, uh, the men. Uh, oh, ah, hi, doggy. <laughs> yeah, right. I know my dog has decided. Yeah, we have a special sure a conversation. The Springstead dog. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You already men wrap up their uh, wrap, wrap up their home schedule uh, with a rare Sunday game against Merrimack. Uh, they have a nine conference game against Penn on the April 26th and then wrap up the uh, Murphy season and regular season next Saturday at Binghamton. Uh, looking at the men's standings right now, uh, you all be at 3-2 uh, and two in the conference in fourth place. Uh, a win basically I think wraps up a uh, championship uh, tournament berth for them if they beat Merrimack. It should. I, I, I thought I had them at three and two, but it, That's right, so the I way I was, I said three and two, I believe. I, so I, I, three and two, okay. Yeah. But you know, and yeah, and and Merrimack is ineligible for the championship. So oh, when I was looking at those stands, I was like, why hasn't U Albany? If if Merrimack is ineligible, then why hasn't uh, Albany clinched that bid automatically? But um, you know, UMBC is uh, two and three. I know they have the tiebreaker from right, but they would they since they beat UMBC. Yeah. They'd have the head-to-head. I know right. it, it seems strange, but I think but you, yeah, um, regardless, yeah, yeah, UMBC's two and three. So if you all stumbles in the final two games, UMBC wins their final two. They surpass them. Oh, okay. UMBC's got the other game. Okay, that's why. There we go. Yes. So, all right. I did not notice that, but thank you. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, you know they they again got to take care of business um, against Merrimack, which started the season very strongly and has faltered a little. Um, but again, we get in one of these quirks of the scheduling. They've got Yale on Friday night at 7, and then you got to face Merrimack Sunday at noon. Um, as opposed to the Syracuse-UMBC travel that they did last year, at least you've got both these games at home, but Yale's going to take something out of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I had to get my uh, schedule down too far. I forgot about the game on Friday against Yale, number nineteen in the country. I, I mean, that's it's just like I said. I mean, that's a strange schedule. You like, remember last year they you know, had that Syracuse game, and then two days later they went down to UMBC and got throttled. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's again. You, you're. Uh... I remember Rick Pitino's line about, I hate being in a one-bid league. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure uh, Scott Maher hates being in a one-bid league, too. But, uh, you know, that, that every, everyone's plan for the league tournament championship. Yeah. So uh, anything else exciting going on in college across in the, in the area that we need to talk about? 
Oh, I was gonna I was gonna mention the one one good thing for the U Albany man um, in their uh, play recently has been uh, Jack Pucci has been on a nice scoring kick, and the scoring hasn't always been consistent for U Albany this season. So if he can continue that. That would be great. You know, we're coming to the time of the year that head coaches are looking to guys and women who can consistently give me something every game and and I can count on. So that that might be a good thing for the U Albany men. Yeah. uh, I think just going out of the region, Syracuse women are doing well and looks like they're going to have an undefeated regular season. It does, yes. Coach Kayla Trainer is doing amazing things there. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to connect with her um, and, and talk about that. Um, it, you know, it's so funny. You, you don't often see people who are successful as players and also successful as coaches, but it's nice to see that that's happening to Kayla Trainer. And uh, one other story that you're, you're writing, which will appear in uh, Friday's Daily Gazette and online at dailygazette.com. Uh, last Saturday, Union had a senior day, uh, but uh, doing it for uh, a good purpose. Uh, could you talk about that a little bit? Yes, they, they moved it so that one of their seniors, midfielder Dana Trini, could attend a national academic conference this weekend in Long Beach, California. She's a senior biology major, and her senior thesis, which was also doubles as research, um, was accepted into this conference. So she's going to make a presentation in California, unfortunately missing the RIT and William Smith games. Uh, as you can guess, she's, she's naturally conflicted, but she realizes that the conference is something that she'll remember her whole life and that will help her down the road and that ultimately it's just two games. It was very nice of coach Alyssa trainer to move the senior day back last week to the Vassar game so that she could experience it. It yeah. was a, it was a win-win all around. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, we root for them. The fans root for them for doing what they're doing on the field. But the main goal is they're here to get an education and get a great job. And it seems like, um, uh, Trini is doing that. Exactly. Yes. No. It's. A, it's a, I'll, I'll. I'll let people read about. It, but it, it was an interesting thing involving grasshoppers. So. Grasshopper. Oh. <laughs> oh God! That just take me back to my high school biology days and <laughs> dissecting grasshoppers. Oh dear. Oh, oh, I'm just I'm getting chills now. I'm goosebumps. So, uh, well, appreciate that though. That well, I know on that note, we're talking grasshoppers and all that fun stuff. Uh, we'll we'll chat again next week as we get yeah closer to uh, tournament time for some of these teams. Sounds good. Thank you, Ken. All right, that's Will Springs. So I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. And a familiar name is on that list. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Meet Andrew Waite. He's a dedicated journalist with a passion for research and a commitment to getting all sides of the story. Whether it's a local issue or an upstate trend, I do the stories and interviews that shed light on what's important to you. Stay informed. Read Andrew Waite in the Daily Gazette. It's my job to offer commentary about what's happening in our community and what it means to our readers. The Gazette, reporting based on accuracy and integrity. It's who we are. It's what we do. 
Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google app stores. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Indiana Nash. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast, and before we get into the winners of the uh, Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest, I want to uh, salute Don Vaughn, uh, the Colgate men's head hockey coach, announced his retirement on Tuesday after 30 years of running uh, the Raiders. An incredible career, had a 470 victories, 620 win seasons, four NCAA tournament bursts, including this uh, this past season, and two ECAC Coach of the, the Year awards. And Finally, a ECAC hockey tournament title. Uh, they beat Quinnipiac and Harvard in Lake Placid last month to get that title, uh, the first for Vaughn and the first for the program since 1990. And on a personal note, uh, Don is one of the best guys out there, always wonderful to talk to, had time for you, always had some great insight, and uh, I enjoy, always enjoyed talking with Don. And uh, uh, this, this one's a gut punch. Um, it's uh, Don, Don, like I said, Don's a great guy, and uh, you know, between him and uh, a couple of years ago with um, Bob Gaudet retiring at Dartmouth, and of course now Steve Hagwell stepping down as ECAC hockey commissioner in a, uh, a few, a couple of months, it's uh, changing the guard at ECAC hockey. So it's going to be interesting to see who um, the uh, Colgate gets to replace uh, Don Vaughn with, and uh, we'll you know, obviously keep you abreast of what's going on uh, with that situation. So uh, again, a wonderful career for Don Vaughn, and uh, I hope he enjoys retirement well let's get to the winner the week nine winners in the daily gazette's auto racing contest uh, was lorraine astemborski of schenectady with 75 points lorraine wins a 50 dollars shop right gift card congratulations lorraine the vip winner was me finally i led the vips with 35 points for my first victory of the season it has been a tough year trying to defend that vip championship I'll announce the auto racing contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the auto racing contest banner. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID-19 is affecting us in the capital region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Josh Skiba and Will Springstead for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schatz. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.